Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code STEVE, S-T-E-V-E. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on pulpmx.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast. Uh, taking a look at the GPs, we're uh, seven rounds down, we got nine to go, and there has been a shitload of stories and sub-stories and great racing and boycotts and fines and everything else, and I really wanted to find out what's going on down there. So um, I got on the line all the way from Spain, um, on track, off-road, digital magazine editor, among other things, freelance journalist guy, uh, Adam Wheeler. Adam, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem, Steve. Uh, everything is well over there. I mean, you guys are full fly with your series as well. What is it, Bud's Creek this coming weekend? Bud's Creek this weekend, yeah. And, uh, man, when, when James was good, we had a hell of a series going on. <laughs> so Yeah, you know. oh, absolutely. Is it, I mean, I, I've looked at the, the news and stuff, and it seems nobody seems to be talking about what has happened to his wrist. Is it like a scaphoid, or well, yeah. nobody saying anything? No, you know, I talked to him the other day, and uh, he still says he's probably not going to be there this weekend. He's going to be at Red Bud. His, the, the guys in his group say nothing is broken. It's just badly bruised. But I don't know how much experience you have with scaphoids and things like that, but... Lots of times they don't show up right away on the initial MRI slash X-ray, and then they come out because there's so many small bones in there. So yeah, uh, um, yeah. As far as I know, what we've been told is nothing's broken. He can he, he just has to heal up. It's badly bruised. So well, I mean, like he's he's obviously got experience with the scaffold as well. I mean, did he miss all of well, most of last season? Yeah, like Supercross season with it. So yep. you know, I guess he must know whether it's he can race with it or not. Yeah, exactly. That's just it. I mean, as of right now, we're taking him at his word and seeing him. You know, hopefully he'll be back at Red Bud, and then the yeah. the 250 class. Um, uh, it's been a gangbusters. Those four guys have been going at it. Some people are wondering what's going on with Ken Roxon, but to me. He has four third places, almost won a moto. I think he's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking about the GPs, and we obviously follow, you know, what Ken's doing, you know, mm-hmm. in the press rooms of the GPs. We're like, oh, you know, how did Roxon get on? Yeah. And, uh, I kind of wrote in the magazine this week that, you know, I think it took him in 2009. He, he missed the first four GPs, I think, until he reached his 15th birthday. Yeah. And he was old enough to, do the, to enter a world championship event. And then I think in his second race, uh, he was already fighting for a moto win, and then he won his first GP with two second positions on on the fifth appearance. Yeah. So uh, if he wants to do the same thing, you know, or better, <laughs> you know, in the nationals, then he's, he's got to do it this weekend. So. Well. Um. You know. One thing about one thing I think people are discounting over here is, and I've been to some GPs. Uh, you don't get very much practice time here. You get about twenty five minutes of practice time on Saturday morning, and then it is go time. You know, so he's never been to these tracks before. He's never been to, to, to these facilities before. It's just going to, you know, it's not like a GP where you have a, you know, two or three practices and an open practice on Sunday to get used to it. You know, he's going to probably struggle to get used to the tracks. And, you know, Tyler Rattray said the same thing when he first came over. He said, I just, you know, you asked him why he improved so much in his second year here, and he's like, I just know the tracks. I just know what goes on now. Yeah. So. I mean, one of the things we were really impressed with Roxon is that, you know, he's got many attributes as a rider, and he's a fantastic natural talent. You can just see that by his position and the way he is on the bike. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he is a kid that can adapt extremely quickly. Um, you know, as he said, he won his first GP only after five, after four races. It was his fifth appearance. So, yeah. you know, and then it, very quickly he learned to ride the sand. You know, he kind of, uh, I spoke to his, when he was riding with the Suzuki, like the team manager then, Johansson said that when they were doing 
practice motos in Lommel, like in the depths of winter, you know, mm-hmm. snowing and all sorts, you know, like, you know, minus six and stuff. Right. You know, he was kind of trying to whip it over some of those big jumps. And then they said, you know, after a couple of weeks uh, working hard, they managed to get him jumping like a good old Dutch sand rider, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, straight, straight up, up perpendicular, <laughs> you know. And he was, he was, he was just a, a kid that um, took on board what everybody said. I mean, he, he had kind of had his own way of doing things. He's a little bit individ- an individual like that. Um, but, you know, he, he adapted real quick and also to the whole mental side of it because that first GP that he won was his home one. You know, yeah. and there's never been more pressure. And I think uh, two years later, you had Tower where we've had the German GP for a number of years. was was full. It was full to the Rockies. He's got the Nations next year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you've been there, of course. You know, you were there a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that place was, was rocking because of him. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, he's really absorbed a lot of it, you know, both on and off the bike. So I'm, I'm really hoping he does, does something good over there. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and I think so. I think he's just getting. Uh, he might have had his worst moto of the year at Mount Morris in the first moto with a fifth. Then he lost the end, like he lost the group, and then he rebounded with maybe his first moto, which he should have won, except for one fall. But as I, as I've uh, tweeted and wrote written about, I love his attitude. What a what a great kid. What a great guy. Um, you yeah. know, gets beat. He's on the podium. He's like, those guys rolled great. I'm gonna work harder. I had fun, and and maybe he's you know throwing things back in the pit, but. I, I've really been impressed with his attitude. The kid is just, he's one of a kind. What's, uh, what's your take on Marvin Muscan over there, Steve? Because when he was here in the GPs, you know, he, he would just float around the track. I mean, he was really unbeatable some days. And, you know, he had a whole good thing going on set up with KTM with his trainer, his girlfriend. And he had great support from the factory team over here. Um, I kind of understand he's doing things a bit differently in the U.S., but, I mean, do you think there's more to come from him? Um, I don't know, you know. Uh, he's... He's been the best of the rest of the guys, so that's nothing to you know, nothing to shake your head at. But uh, I, I admit I'd, I'd been I've been wondering where the Musk went again. I I've been to Bercy and I've been GPS and I've seen him. I'm wondering where when we're going to see the real Musk win because he hasn't been as dominant um, of a rider here as he was over there. But by all accounts, he's working hard. He likes the bike. The team likes him. You know, he's he's kind of been often. He can't seem to get going without getting hurt, so that could be something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. he's had a few kind of interruptions, isn't he? Hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. Help get a flow going for results and confidence. Yeah. Um, but let's uh let's talk about the GPs a little bit. And for people who want to know more about Adam's backstory and Adam's uh deal, we did a podcast last year at the US Open, check the archives. Um we just did one where we chronicled what Adam's been through and his thoughts on the GPs and, and he's uh, one of the most respected media guys in the pits. So Take a listen to that if you want to know more about what's going on. So, all right, Wheeler. Well, I mean, I asked Ken about his rival, Jeffrey Hurlings, last weekend. There's no love lost between these guys. They're not fans of each other. I asked him about what he thought about everything that's going on, and he laughed. And he just and I said, well, what do you think? And he's like, that guy. And he just laughed some more. So, right now, let's, let's go to the MX2 class. Hurlings is just, he's just self-destructing, it looks like, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a nice big uh, slice of irony, you know, when KTM issued their statement on Monday after the Grand Prix of Portugal when they said that, you know, they intend to intend to fine Jeffrey from some of the behavior that's been going on. And mm-hmm. uh, he requested that the, the fine be given to a children's charity because, you know, that, that's, that's pretty much what it's been like. You know, there's been some <laughs> very sort of strange playground antics going on. Yeah. Um, you know, and a bit of it all, you know, from, from the takeout, from like, you know, yeah, forcing Arno Tonus off the track in France and making him crash, mm-hmm. to, you know, the, the altercation with Mel Pocock and the back marker in the second moto, which, you know, he still won the GP, okay, yep. he didn't win the moto, but he won the GP. Um, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of pressure on the kid, like they said in the, in the KTM press release, and yep. I think... You know, he had a lot of tweets and messages after France. You know, we had the GP of France, and there was one big load of Portugal last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a lot of messages, a lot of hate, uh, you know, even some messages saying they're going to throw stones at him and stuff. And, right. you know, I think uh, I think he's just trying to get through a little bit of a, a big wave of, of pressure at the moment. Um, and it's just, you know, there's been a big spotlight on him. And I guess for, for a kid who, you know, in normal life, he just sort of come out of school. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, at 17 years old, it, maybe it's just a lot to take. Um, you know, I'm not defending some of the stuff he's done because, you know, on the track, you know, the, the behavior was, uh, you know, not not so professional. Uh, off the track, there was, you know, some things in the paddock going on, you know, with the Turner's family that was just uh, not, you know, 
appropriate, suitable, whatever at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, now there's going to be, you know, a lot of people looking at him. It's, um, you know, I think he's had his, his, his knuckles wrapped already by the FIM and now yeah. for KPM. And it sounds people like, uh, you know, like Stefan Evert, the MX2 team manager, and also Kibira, the motorsport director at KTM, who's, you know, a guy who's very, you know, strong with his beliefs and also very strong in the support for the riders because he was a former rider himself. Yep. You know, those kind of guys are really going to have to steer him a little bit, try and, try and get through this part of the season because Tommy Sell is not slow. Uh, and he'll use some of this, you know, he'll use the fact that he can try and get on Hurling's back wheel and, and make something happen in the next day because it's just those two guys. Yeah. Well, the, the 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 as far as on the track, Hurlings has been the better rider, but I think Searle is surprising me. He's right there. He and, he and like you said, he's kind of taking all this drama and using it to his advantage a bit. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I mean Jeffy's won five GP so far. Tommy's won two. Mm-hmm. But like uh, the bad day that Jeffy had in Brazil, where we you know we had some muddy conditions that we haven't really seen for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tommy managed to come through and win that and took a large slice of points. So. You know, it's pretty tight. I, I can't remember the points difference off my head. I think it's, you know, in the 20 somewhere. So it's only, I think it's less than one moto, um, 24 points or something. So yeah, it, it is really it, close. 24, um, exactly. Yes, 24. Yeah, Jeff Coy hasn't, he's, he's winning motos, but, uh, you know, the mistakes he's making are, are proving to be a little bit costly. Whereas in MX1, it's different with Tony Cairoli, who's being consistent, you know, pretty much every race mm. going on. But, um, but, you know, I mean, Tommy's a bit older, a bit more experienced. Um, you know, it's just, it's just really tricky. I, I think, you know, we've got some strong tracks coming up at the end of the season. You know, for Jeffrey, we're going to, to Lerop, uh, yeah. you know, and getting the sand. Um, yeah. It's, uh, and like Latvia as well, Cagoons is a real lonely kind of soft stuff. I mean, that'll be right up there, Highlands Alley as well. So it's, yeah. um, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. I mean, you know, MX2 sometimes, you know, the KTMs are always in the top three or four. I don't know if it's the same you guys right at the start of the moto with the whole shots but the KTMs are always right there yeah um and you know it's uh if Hurlings can escape he does yeah um and and the the backstory too is that Hurlings was dating Tonus's sister now I guess they're not and because there was some confrontation like you said in the pits um where's Hurlings parents what's what's going on with them uh, is it, do we have a Tony Alessi deal with the parents where I mean we're Everybody kind of admits that maybe Jeffrey's parents are are a little out there. I don't know. I'm just asking. Like what? What? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Jeffrey's mum's really supportive. She's around. Um, I don't know. I'm not sort of quite up to speed with the, the full personal story there. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's uh, a little bit of a, a broken home situation. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe maybe Jeffrey's deal is that from such a, a young age, you know, he's had everybody, everybody saying that he's going to be this this fantastic rider and he's going to save Dutch motocross because yeah, you never know, yeah. thought that, you know, the, the Dutch had like Mark Deruva, you know, shining now and again. Yeah. Um, but then having pretty bad luck with injury, okay, a very charismatic guy, but no one who's really going to like try and get a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, also Eric Eggins, but then there's a little bit of a void. So when Hurlins kind of stepped in, you know, we noticed that at the GP there was a lot more media interest from the Dutch, um, and it kind of you know ramped up a little bit. Like Balkan Swad was the opening uh, Grand Prix of the year this year. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, I think um, he just had people from LA saying he's going to be the best thing, you know, there is yeah. for Dutch motocross. And that obviously created a bit of a, you know, an ego thing going on. And right. he's a factory rider with KTM, came in straight away like Roxon. And, uh, you know, I think he even podiumed in his first GP in Bulgaria. So it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's in this, this situation. It's, He's got a big support team behind him because the factory KTM team over here is like that. There's a lot of people there to help out with whatever you know he needs to get done to get the job done. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it's uh, I think Jeffrey just needs to try and focus a little bit more on the professional parameters of the job. Yeah. Instead I'll- of just thinking, "Hey guys, I'm, I'm a factory KTM rider. I'm going to go out there and you know smoke all your asses." You know, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, a little bit of humble pie, maybe. Now, in your opinion. You know, Jeffrey got fined for uh, dropping the F-bomb after the race, and he was upset at Mel. Is it Pocock? What, is Mel? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Do you, and, you know, he, Pocock, of course, is teammates with Tonus on the Steve Dixon Yamaha team. Do you feel like there was something there for Pocock to do? Like, do you feel like Hurling's reaction was, was uh, appropriate, that there was indeed some sort of team tactics, in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, there has to be a little bit of something there. I mean, in France, 
Hernan got frustrated behind Tonus, who was mm-hmm. making his first GP of the year, yeah. uh, because, I mean, back from a broken wrist and a dislocated shoulder. Mm-hmm. And he did something to a guy that is one of the, the most sort of, you know, popular in the paddock. Oh, you know, yeah. you couldn't meet a friendlier person than Tonus. I mean, you know, he's 20 years old, and he wouldn't say boo to a goose. And uh, it's, uh, you know, Honor's, he's got he's got a big status, and he's also one of the teams, uh, one of the guys that a lot of the teams and the manufacturers are looking at. For next okay. year, yeah, yeah. you know Tommy and Roland and I, they push up. So yep. by by doing that in France, he didn't make himself particularly popular, um, you know. And also, you know, the situation was going out of Arno's girlfriend and stuff. I mean, he was pretty much integrated into that family, so yeah, yeah. it made it kind of a bit of a domestic mess as well. <laughs> so then, when you come to a situation like in Portugal last week, you know, in the last lap of the second moto of MX2 or the penultimate lap, mm-hmm. you know, Tommy sells right behind him, and Sell, by the way, said he thought he was going to get him anyway. Yeah, of course. Um, right. You know, Mel Pocock, <laughs> you know, you could say, could he got out of the way? Or was he just following the instructions of the blue flag and holding the line? Yeah. You know, I think Pocock, he actually did look behind him because I was watching. And, you know, he's also, like, Mel also trains with Tommy Sell. So he must have been aware that Tommy was right behind Jeffrey Herring. Oh, okay. He could have so... thought, you know, right, I'm going to help and give, you know, give Tommy a hand here. Mm-hmm. Because only, I think it was only four laps earlier that Glenn Coldenhoff, another Dutch rider who rides with KDM, kind of held Tommy up for half a lap. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, there was little bits of that going on, you know. It's, yeah. um, you know, I think Mel probably could have thought, shit, right, I'm get, I've got to get out of the way because the leaders are coming. But mm-hmm. then maybe just, you know, thought, right, okay, I'll get out of the way on a safer part of the track. Right, right. Do you... I think it was, to, 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 to kind of summarize, I think it was probably a little bit cheeky than it was malicious. Right, right, right. Do you feel like uh, the the fines were appropriate? Do you, do you feel like Hurlings needed this from KT, from KTM and from the FIM? Like, uh, uh, is the punishment fit the crime of what's been going on? The crimes, I guess, let's call it. Yeah, because you know something needed to be done because it was getting a little bit out of control. Okay. Um, you know, there, there needed to be. I mean, the FIM gave like a warning in France. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think you know that was the next step. I mean, the yellow card had been shown. So it was uh, yellow card is, is in soccer, you know. He had yeah. a warning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that you know that was the next step, and I think KTM had to take that. They were they had the hand force because they got a guy who's a factory rider. He's a world championship leader. He was second in the world last year. Mm-hmm. You know, to have the swearing and the, and the other stuff, so there wasn't the kind of image they want to do. You know, right. I mean, people have been right. Oh, what a PR disaster for KTM. And, it's not quite that severe, but it, yeah. you know, it, it didn't look good, basically. Oh, I did like Hurlings coming out in the press conference and sitting next to Tonus and apologizing, sort of. You know, I thought that was a good <laughs> move, but, you know, it, it just didn't seem to really, like, obviously someone said, hey, Hurlings, this is what you're going to do. You know what I mean? We're going to sit you here next to Tonus and talk. So, you know, he, he maybe wasn't. But no, I don't think it did. Oh, okay. All Actually, right. I don't think it did because, the, you know, they came in on Saturday and they sat next to each other. And I thought, well, okay, like you seem to kind of manipulating the situation right. here where, yeah. you know, we can put this thing to bed. But then, like, you know, they gave the microphone to Jeffrey and he chatted about practice and whatever, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I asked him a question. I said, you know, how, how do you feel about last week? And, and that's when he addressed it and said, you know, I'm really sorry. I have a lot of respect for Arno and, um, and stuff like that. And then, you know, they spent sort of, 10, 15 minutes chatting after the press conference in the press room. So we already thought, okay, well, that's that finished with. Right. Um, you know, to be honest, if, if you're talking about press conferences in France, when Christophe Porcel said uh, that, you know, Gautier Poland's move to pass him at St. John d'Angeli is stupid and uh, that he didn't like him and then gave him the <laughs> microphone and looked at him, we were kind of thinking, ooh, yeah. you know, what's going to happen here? Yeah. You know, that was a bit more kind of tasty, but. Yeah, you know, I think uh, maybe Christoph and Gautier, maybe they're saving that up for a little bit later. But, you know, obviously guys with a bit more, you know, maturity and professionalism, so they know how to handle it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get to that for sure, the MX1 class. That's, that's <laughs> another. But, hey, uh, talking about the rest of the MX2 field, uh, Horbeek's third, Rollins, Anstey, that Tixier guy is uh, on the factory KTM team. He's maybe – he's just learning, I guess. But here's my question for you. Uh, Lupi, Lupino. Uh, the Italian guy riding the Husky. He's uh, eighth in the points. Now, when I was there, I wasn't very impressed with Lupino and his effort and his speed. Has he stepped it up, or does the class have a lack of depth? What do you What do you feel? Like, I feel like the, the depth maybe isn't there. You know, we got Osborne's injury. Yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of both, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I talked to Philipparts, you know, and, and, you know, former X1 champion and one of Italy's riders for the Motocross of Nations. Mm-hmm. 
And he said to me over here that the, the, the Pino's made some changes. You know, he's, he's training a bit harder. He's 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 really focused, and and he's okay. feeling optimistic for for the for the. I mean, if he can say that about Lopino in the sand at Lommel, then you know he must be doing something different. But you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, there is we are struggling for depth. I mean, I think he has something crazy like 17 GP winners, former GP winners in MX1. Yeah. In MX2, I think I think you're looking at two. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Two, maybe three. Really think so. I think maybe just two. Her, so it's, well, um, no, Van Horbeek is one, hasn't he? No. Never no, won? I don't think okay. so. All right. One. He's got a plate for the podium, so I'm not too sure. He might have won some motos, but yeah, maybe not a GP. We're really missing Zach Osborne. That's what we're really missing here, Wheeler. Yeah, well, I mean, it might only be a few weeks. I mean, he was provisionally aiming to come back in Sweden, which mm-hmm. is at the end of the month. Um, I'm just trying to think. Or if you got, I think you guys got a break that weekend. I think yeah, it was the 30th yeah. of of June. Yeah, yeah, we're off. So I mean, Zach could come back there, or or you know the next. So you got Red Bud after that. But yeah. then I, you know, it's either there or Latvia, which is in the middle of July. Mm-hmm. And you should definitely be in that by then. And yeah, and that's a real shame, you know, Zach. I think he really could have made a push for the title this year. Um, just through consistency and based on like you know the 2010 season mm-hmm. that he had. Yeah. So um, you know, right now, like you said, Hurlings won five, Searles won two. Hurlings is still in the driver's seat, and it this has got to the fines and the attention and everything that's happening to him has got to set him straight. I would think, in my opinion. So this is Hurlings' title still to lose. You you, you agree? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's still got the confidence. He's still got the bike. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, that's that's the cool thing about MX2. It's been pretty formulaic. It's just been between two guys. Um, but the next two to three races were really, you know, I mean, I think Hurlings could have done with a break. I mean, we just had two back-to-back, and we got a third one this weekend in Bastogne. Yeah, Belgium. Which, you know, is a nice irony, you know, one of the bloodiest battles of World War Two, and then <laughs> everybody's going there kind of, you know, right. with a gun smoking sort of thing. <laughs> right. So, um uh, you know, it'd be interesting. I think he could have, you know, if we had a break, if we, you know, had that one week off, then it would have really mm-hmm. cooled down, would have simmered down. There wouldn't have been any kind of, you know, feelings sort of, you know, left over from that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah. gonna, it's all going to kick up again at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's been good, man. Um, let's uh, let's switch to, <laughs> let's switch to, uh, I like the fact, too, like the British GP is coming up, and I feel like Hurlings could have some problems there. I feel like there could be issues. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. I think he'll probably need some sort of security guard. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, just uh, yeah. just sort of the run-ins he's had with Tommy because, you know, he's that's another thing, you know, the incident. If you look on YouTube, uh, type in 2012 Italian GP, he came across Tommy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been doing it to each other a little bit, but this was one instance where he came across, Tommy had nowhere to go, and they both crashed. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a fantastic race because they both came back, and I think Hurlings won and Tommy was second, you know, yeah. right from the rear of the field. But, uh, you know, those two have got a little bit of a, a thing going on. And yeah. um, Hurling's actually said in the press conference in Portugal last weekend, you know, that Tommy and, and, and him sort of had a bit of a chat in the gate before the qualification. He said, look, let's just forget all this bullshit. Look, we're cutting the gates and stuff. I'm not going to do it to you. You're not going right. to do it to me. Let's just go and race clean. So, you know, that was, you know, I mean, <laughs> on Saturday evening, Jeffrey had made, made peace and friends with everybody. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't want to work out like that on Sunday. Well, was that... Is that the race uh, that I was earlier this year? Where was that? Where Hurlings cut over? That was that was greasy. That was definitely greasy. Yeah. Uh, Italy. That was um, in Italy. Yeah. Italy. That yeah. Was, uh, round three. Yeah, just at the end of April. Ooh, that was not. That was not not good. But anyway, so yeah, it's it's exciting times in the MX2 class, no doubt. Uh, you got to remember that race, Steve. You got to remember it because that was the Michael Lee podium. Oh, I know. That was the Talk- time we've seen the US, like you know, the front of the of a GP this year. And and talk about coming out of nowhere, like nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and bummer for Michael. I understand he's he's. I can't get a lot of information. I I understand he's signed for two years. Is that a rumor? Do you know he's going to be there for? There's, there's nothing. No, there's, the the rumor is he's signed for the rest of the year. But then uh, okay. you know, there's nothing confirmed yet. Yeah. Okay. So we don't really know, and I don't think um, until he's in a position where he can, he, he's, he can come back and do something that you know it'll be kind of announced and declared and everything. But you know, I mean, it's, it's the monster Yamaha with Dixon is, is one of the fastest. I mean, it's got sort of like you know those uh, Cosworth components in the engine. Right. And you're still running a carburetor. It's not a fuel injected bike. Yeah. But it's it's, it's damn quick. Um, he's got a good bike. I mean, the the title sponsors is a big U.S. company, so it doesn't take. 
yeah. a genius to put two and two together, you know? Yeah, well, I hope I hope to see him. He's got, uh, he said Epstein Barr the other day, he tweeted, so um, hopefully he yeah. can pull it together. But after seeing Zach's bike at the Supercross, I'm a believer. That thing was good. Dixon had that thing running yeah. really good. So, um, MX1 class, before we get to the controversy, the new boss is the same as the old boss, it looks like. Maybe a couple, a shaky race in the mud for Caroli, but he still, would you say, still the man? The title is still going through him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was talking with a couple of journalists at the start of the year, and we thought that maybe Tony's luck would run out this year. Right. Because, you know, we had a, some pretty big injuries to the class last season. And he came through it okay. He was a little bit hurt at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I mean, the, in my opinion, he's riding better than ever at the moment. And I said to him at the weekend, wow. look, we've got, you've got yeah. to go and do a national. You have to go with it. You've got to try it because, yeah. Yeah. you know, just the, the way you're riding, you, it seems like you can take anyone. And uh, he lost uh, the second moto to Paulan. Um, you know, I mean, he passed him on the last lap, and Paulan just got him back about four or five corners for the finish. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he said in the press conference afterwards he wants to change his tactic because he's wait- he's waiting a little bit too long at the start of the motos. And he yeah. said, "Well, if he's going to go like one hundred and ten percent right from the off, then you know who's going to stay with him?" It's, uh, it's it's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah. If he hadn't had that one in Brazil, the mud race, he. It'd be the type, the points would be uh, a lot bigger gap. But you, a guy who's seen him almost do every race, maybe of his career, you think he's riding better than ever? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's just stronger. He's experienced. I think the bike's better for him this year. He wasn't too happy with it last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, you know he's, he's the man. You know, we yeah. really got to get him over and, and try and uh, take on a few of you guys because. You know, it's. Uh, I don't think the the US fans are really seeing the best of Tony because the nations he hasn't had the best luck. So it's. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really wish he'd get over and do it. I'm well, not sure if the schedules are too kind this year, but uh, yeah. you know, I've got a big wall chart in front of me here. I think like Southwick is is one break we have. Oh. Um, be good. But, you know, I, um, I I did one of these with him at the beginning of the year, and uh, he was, he said he wants to do it. It's on the plans. He wants absolutely going to do it. Like gonna happen. Just doesn't know when. But that's. That's right. So yeah, maybe it's got to happen. I, I I'm, I'm going to start a bit of a get Tony to the U.S. campaign. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to you know get a get an interview with him. You know, talking totally about the U.S. Racer X, so you can read it all next week on the website. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe get him to like talk crap on the U.S. because that always works, and then everyone will want him <laughs> over. You know what I mean? You know how that works, right? Everybody, the Stefan Everett's USGP thing. Um, you know, it just creates so much drama, but. Uh, yeah, I have, maybe we can, we can get we can get Hurlings as bodyguard. You know, you can bring him over and come over with him. You know, so yeah. it'll be okay. Well, last year, you know, when Desal Desal, I think was either leading or right behind him when he hurt his shoulder, and that was a year last year that I'm like, okay, well, you know, the 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 younger guys are coming up, and and Tony's going to have a hard time here. But yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for Desal especially, you know, on the factory Suzuki. I think he won like three GPs in the first six races last year. Mm-hmm. And this year it's been completely the opposite. It's taken him six races just to win one. Right. And, you know, he hasn't really looked like being able to win a GP. And uh, this last weekend it was, was the first time we've really seen that kind of the south from 2011. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, his home GP this weekend uh, in Bastogne. You know, a big, big uh, lot of attention on him because it's the first time we've gone to this track. Yeah. Um, so you know, it'd be uh, can can he follow it up? It's a big question. But in MX1, we do we just don't really know. It's it's, it's become fantastic. It's so unpredictable. It's mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's it's pretty cool to watch. Hey guys, thanks for listening to these podcasts. They wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for BTOSports.com as well as the other advertisers. So I appreciate if you just listen to this, deal with it, order some stuff from BTO, and then we'll get right back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped in anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOsports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, 
The racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex feel gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Yeah, I, and I have a lot of respect for Corolla. You know, the, the Lomo GP I went to last year, the German one I went to before that, the Destinations rides, uh, although not this past year in France. But that guy is a world-class rider. He and, and a world class person off the track. Uh, I can't, in my mind, there aren't too many racers that I think combine everything together better than Antonio Caroli. I'd love to see him, man. What a what a what a racer! What a guy. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's also working really hard, you know, off the track to do stuff for motocross. I mean, he's uh, in Italy, he's hanging out with Valentino Rossi and and you know, getting publicity for the sport just mm -hmm. by you know being with these these guys who are in a bigger sphere are kind of like motorcycle racing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, he's, he's, uh, like you, you summed it up perfectly. I mean, he's, uh, he hasn't got hardly any kind of weak spots. It's, it's, it's really hard to beat him because even when he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, maybe having an off day, he's still making the podium. And that's, yeah. that's yeah. just won him like the last three championships. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, when, when we go to Lommel this year for the motocross of nations, you'll, you know, you've seen it already. I think yeah. he'll be, he'll be superb. And I still think it's completely ironic that all these old Dutch and Belgian fans can go to Lommel and, and watch like this skinny little Sicilian <laughs> kid like you know kick everybody's ass. Yeah, nice. yeah, he was on another level. He was ridiculous when I, I mean, and I and honestly, because I don't watch him week in and week out, just like in Germany, I'm sitting there at 15 minutes going, he, he's not going to win, he's not going to win this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just fell into that trap again, and he's like a Blake Baggett over here a little bit, but. Maybe not as erratic. Uh, but anyways, um, funny, last year I asked him, I said, hey, uh, are you, like, close to Rossi in Italy? Like, are you are you and him, like, the two – he's like, oh, pff, no. Rossi Rossi is a god. I am nothing. <laughs> so, interesting. He just I, – I don't know. It seemed like Italians would really like him, but I guess they like Rossi a lot better, the road racing. They're just into road racing more. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the same in Spain and, and in Italy. It's like uh, you know, you t you flick on the evening news and you've got uh, you've got like football first, like mm -hmm. soccer, yep. and then the next sport is usually you know motorcycling or Formula One. Is it really? Um, yeah. You know, that's that's just what it's like in these countries. You know, it's it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, DeSalle, Paulin, Porcel, not much to choose from them. Too bad for Sards out for the year uh, with a knee injury. I think he would have been right there as well. Uh, let's talk Porcel because. That guy, who, who can figure who can figure him out? Terrible first round. Well, first of all, are you a fan or are you a, are you a fan or are you not a fan? Uh, I'm a fan of him on the track. Off the track, I'm not a fan of him. You know, the lot of fingers pointed at the pro circuit guys when he was here. I tried to interview him three, four, five times. Um, very tough to talk to. Very, you know, just just didn't didn't like the media. Didn't like doing PR, and then you know. I'm buddies with all the guys at Pro Circuit, and they liked him, but a lot of times they felt like he needed a mirror because fingers were going everywhere but but at himself, you know? So, anyways, but regardless, he's a world-class rider. But what's yeah. his, how do you feel about his season? What do you think? It's, um, you know, in Brazil you see a rider that wins by, like, you know, 1 minute 30 in the mud. Mm -hmm. And the guy is just riding, you know, feet on the pegs, just absolutely in his own class. And then you come to a Grand Prix like Portugal last week, where one motor was wet, one motor was by driver, more lines, more speed. And, uh, you know, he's winning, but then he gets passed, and then he just he just can't quite pick it up to, to challenge and to make a dogfight of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that might be the, the thing that, maybe doesn't win Christophe's championship. But, um, you know, I, I've seen too many kind of already races this year where he's just he's just absolutely flying and doesn't look like it at all, as we've said many times in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when he's like that, it's just it's, he's always there as well. He's a great starter, and it's, um, 
He's the one out of all of them, I think, you know, DeSalle and Paulan included, that's going to push Cairo right to the end. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, you, that's what your, yeah. your prediction is? Um, well, yeah. yeah I think, it, I mean, I kind of, it was even, you know, kind of tipping him at the beginning of the season because, you know, I still remember his MX2 championships where he was. You know, he's he's like Cairo in that he's, he, he finds his position, he knows his maximum, and whether that's a first or a fourth, then he'll take that. And then, thank you very much, let's move on to next week. Yeah. You know, and then by halfway through the season, the three quarters, he, you know, he's second in the championship and he's, he's right there. Well, if you give him... Ten, if you give him two tenth places at the opening round, and we know that that's that's you know far below his capability, he is only ten points back of Caroli. If you give him two tenth places, that's all. Um, so, you know that opening round is coming back to haunt him, but he's right there. You're right. How's yeah, he, how's I mean the first one was in the stand as well. I mean, mm-hmm. like for MX2, you got to just give that GP straight to Hurlings. Yeah, yeah. And then MX1, it's um, you know everybody's a little bit nervous, a bit tight, and. You know, I think uh, I think Christoph just wanted to get through that weekend. How's he been with the media? How's he been to deal with? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, as you as you may have read, he's kind of got his own setup going on, so it's not a case of where he can just lock himself away and, and mm-hmm. hide. You know, yeah, yeah. He's got a good uh, situation with Pro Circuit and, and and CLS, the French team over here. Yeah. Um, he's kind of responsible for his guys. He's, he's working with Yann Lozano, who's his team manager, and he's got a they've got very much a buddy kind of dynamic going on there. Mm-hmm. So it, when things go wrong, he, he you know it, there, there is no one really to put the finger at. Yep. So he's in that situation. And, um, you know, I mean, last year he came back for the last six, seven GPs and he kind of wondered what his intentions were and yep. whether he was just kind of using them just to get some speed up or he actually was trying to make a play to, to be a Grand Prix winning rider again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think his intentions for the GPs have been very clear, honest. Um, you know, he's, he said he's enjoying doing them again and um, I think he's liking being back in France. But then, like, I did a blog with him in Brazil, and he's, he's talking a lot about his place in Orlando. And, yep. you know, I think um, from all the GP guys this year, I mean, you'll see Hurlings probably try and do some Supercross uh, in the winter, and I think uh, Christoph would be the one that could possibly, you know, uh, fold up the team he's got and, and head back. But mm-hmm. then, you know, who knows? He could stick yeah. around. Well, is, uh, is our buddy Harry Nolte, has he got anything to do with Christoph's program? Is that... It's an offshoot of CLS, or no, not at all. I don't. I'm kind of confused there. Yeah, I mean, like the CLS team is is kind of you've got like Jean Jacques Lucetti, the owner of it, and uh, Harry Naughty, the team manager, but they're focused more on the MX2. So they're running like Roland and Cell and a, mm-hmm. a French kid called Maxim Desprez and, and the Europeans. So next year that dynamic changes a bit because you've got Cell stepping up to MX1. Yeah. Um. So you've got uh, and, and Roland as well. He has to go because he's reached the age limit of 23. So, like, the CLS guys at the moment, you know, with, with good pro-circuit and Monster Energy backing, they've got to find some, you know, very capable MX2 riders, which, as we mentioned earlier, the depth isn't quite there for, for immediate winners right. or title contenders. Right. That's why Arno Tonus is, is being, you know, yeah. hunted down by a lot of people. Yeah. But, uh, so, you know, the, Harry's going to have this uh, this team next year where he's going to be looking after the MX2 guys and also the MX1, but Christoph's team is pretty much... You know, associated to that, but it's just his own little entity. It's kind of like you know, Chad's got set yeah. up. Really, it's just uh, very much uh, an operation run by the rider. Yeah, same there. The uh, the pass that um, that Paulin put on him in France. Did you see any problems with it? I thought it was kind of good. He Paulin did the same thing to somebody else, like the lap before or whatever. But uh, do you think that was just Christoph playing know, I more didn't games? Actually see it. Oh, okay. I didn't actually see it. And it was, um, you know, I you know, I heard people talking about it, mm-hmm. and you know, it didn't seem that bad to me. But I guess it, it pretty it fired up Christoph. Yep. So um, <laughs> I don't think he was too happy at all. So the Saul Paul in Purcell, your pick is <coughs> your pick for the title is Caroli, but Purcell is going to end up second. You think by the end of the year? Is that your is that your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, between those yep. two. Yeah, between those two, I think. Um, and Paul Lynn, of course, first year, or he's, maybe he's done MX1 before, but first year back after a few years in MX2. And is he a surprise to you at all? He's, I know I talked to Villeman before the season, and Villeman's like, no, he's podium guy, no problems, no issues. And I'm like, really? Because MX2, he was all right. Uh, Villeman's like, hey, he's too big for that thing. Podium guy, no doubt about it. So <laughs> it's, of course, the Frenchman, right? Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Is it a surprise, though? <laughs> No, it's not a surprise at all. I mean, he's uh, he is a big guy. I mean, he's I think he's bigger than DV. So, yeah. 
So, um, you know, I think on the MX2 bike, he said he stayed there one more year because he had a factory Yamaha that was a prototype. It was fuel-injected, and he said yep. it's still one of the best bikes he's ever ridden. Oh, but, yeah. you know, he was also racing against Rocks and Muscan and, uh, and Hurlings. Muscan's like th- <laughs> like, like a third of his weight, a third of his size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like uh, Gautier was saying, he had to kind of really, you know, watch his diet to keep his weight down and everything. But, um, you know, he had a wild card uh, outing at the end of last year on um, in the MX1 class for the Yamaha team mm-hmm. uh, before he bowed out, and he won that. So, you know, he won his debut race, kind of like Cairoli did in right. 2007, I think. So, uh, Paul Lanz, you know, he's, he's, uh, we knew he would win races, but mm-hmm. whether he would, uh, like even Porcel said when I asked him about him earlier in the year, I think it was in Italy, mm-hmm. he said that, you know, Gautier's looking really smooth on that Kawasaki, the, the factory bike, but, um, you know, he just wondered whether he's got, like, the energy, the stamina, and, you know, a little bit of the experience to, to make that big bike yeah. speed yeah. go all the way through the year. So that's that's the question mark on him. Yeah. Yeah, I thought at the Nations, he, you know, he rode that incredible moto, but then I thought that yeah. he was spent himself for that next one. You know what I mean? Like, I... Fitness could have been a little bit better. Maybe not, but, uh, you know, at least we saw his speed in that one moto, no doubt about it. Yeah, don't forget he also won his infantry quarter. That was his first kind of made international race on a 450. Yeah, yeah, true. It was in, like in Italy. I think he won that moto, the second one there, and then he had a crash in, in the next one. Um, Ken Dyker got thrown a lifesaver, didn't he? <laughs> Max Nagel's yeah. machine. And he's been doing all right. He's been doing okay. Yeah, I mean he's on he's on he's on Dundee's bike now. He's on that factory four fifty. Um oh, he switched? So, you know, he was doing oh. pretty good on the on the the older bike, uh, uh-huh. had to be said. But his big problem is starts. He just he can't get up there at the front of the field. Yeah. Um, you know, the last year or two he's been kind of uh, up and down all over the place and then you'll have one GP where he goes one one and then the next <laughs> week he's back to eighth place. Yeah, yeah. So. And he'll he'll probably be a lock on the Belgium for the Belgium team for the Dis Nations, huh? Good enough team and all that. Him to Saul and Roll-ons, maybe? Yeah, I think it's got to be that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the past, you had kind of Steve Ramon, who sadly is you know, not racing in GPs anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, 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 yeah, I mean, Ken's a shoe-in, I think. I mean, he's been ignored, you know, the last couple of years, which has been, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit hard on him. I think he's had a little bit of a grudge over it. But, um, oh, yeah? Yeah. you know, I think, uh, yeah, it'll be him and Dissal and Roland. It'll be nice. a pretty strong team, actually. Nice to see Strebos, Kevin Strebos, get on the podium in Brazil in the mud. So uh, that he just just keeps on keeping on that guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's uh, always uh, joke, you know, around the paddock, say, "Hey, how are you doing, old man?" Because you know, yeah, I mean, he's yeah. only said twenty-seven, twenty-eight, but he's been around since he was sixteen. It's yeah, just, uh, yeah, yeah. He's uh, one of the veterans. Is uh, is Philip Hartz, uh Yeah, I, I think I tweeted this when he won, or I said it, or something. I'm like, every time you count that guy out, he comes back and. He wins, and you know, and this year he he won a moto, got second, another one. So, is Philipparts doing about what you thought? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a big confidence rider. Um, you know, I really like him because he's one of those hard charges. You know, if he goes down first corner, he'll just fight all the way to get back. And uh, that injury he had last year, where he snapped both wrists, was pretty big. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, he needed about three operations just to get him kind of back to normal. So the fact that he's kind of getting out there and he's still running at the top. I mean, his win in Mexico was, uh, you know, was kind of special. It was uh, a lot of people really happy for him that second moto victory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the Martin Honda guys not having a good year. What has been uh, Russian Bob's deal? Bronchitis for a little bit, but then what else? There's got to be a few other issues he's been having, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a real shame though because you know that bike's pretty special. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, he tweaked the thumb, like, in the first GP. Uh, you know, he also, what else did he do? He had, yeah, he had bronchitis. Uh, that was in Mexico, so that was only, like, round three mm-hmm. or round four. Round four, yeah. So, uh, you know, he's, he's just been, like, playing catch-up, basically, since that first GP. Um, and it's a little bit the same for Rui Gonçalves. So at round three in Italy, he kind of did something to his, his hip. Yeah. Um you know, he also tweaked his hand, and you know those guys are just carrying knocks, so they're not really able to to show their speed. But you know, for me, the biggest issue with the Honda at the moment is that last year on that kind of production bike, you know, production based bike, they they were getting a lot of hole shots. They were yeah. right at the front around the first corner, but we haven't really seen that so far from the new bike. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something they've got to try and fix. But then they could have a season like last year where they were pretty anonymous for the first half of the season. They get to Germany and bang, you know, he becomes the first sort of Russian winner of a GB for like 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And and Rui's uh, doing all right, I guess. Did you see that fight he got into? Did he get fined for that? No, he had he had a pretty big warning for that, but that was before like the rest of the carnage kicked <laughs> off for that weekend. So yeah, <laughs> he you know I think he, you know to, to punch someone, he, he probably did it at the right time because if he'd done it after the yeah. second MX one motor, then you know I don't know he'd be behind bars somewhere, I guess. And uh, and then I saw the Dikers take out of a lapper. Which was as dirty as same corner as Tonus Hurlings, I think. <laughs> I don't know what Ken was thinking there. Yeah, but no, he... yeah. I mean, that was just yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Ken, really. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Ken and uh, and you know, Ken Dyke and Clement de Sal, they're 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 pretty hard guys, you know. And David Phillips as well. They um, you know, they they like to earn their little bit of track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, biggest surprise for you in the MX1 class? Um, is there is there one? Oh, big surprise. Um, no, I don't really think so. Yeah, everything's kind of planned the way it's... Everything's kind of worked out yeah, the way. Yeah, I mean, the, the, form, the form book's pretty much in place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I have to point out that Seb Porcel's actually getting a bit of feedback. I yeah. mean, he's been, you know, going near the top five. and he, this, is, this is a rider who, like, in 2008, owned the MX1 class at the Nations. Yep. And, uh, you know, since then, he's just had a catalogue of injuries. I mean, I saw him in the French DP last year, and he was wearing this kind of, like, corset, you know, to support his, his torso. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, he just felt, well, that guy's just getting a million miles away from, like, being running at the front of a GP. But um, he's in a good situation where he's, he's riding with his brother. There's absolutely zero pressure on him. Right. And, um, you know, he's, 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 he's getting pretty quick. You know, I mean, uh, it's not possible. You could probably get on a podium by the end of the year. Yeah, which would be a remarkable comeback from where he was. Yeah. Serious injuries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk Mexico. Um, what a what a disaster that Oof. that was. Did you did you listen to the podcast I did with Lee and Tortelli? No, I, but I, I did uh, see Tortelli's letter, which I thought was a little bit ridiculous. Um, and yeah. you know, like Michael, I know his I knew his take on on the situation because then he was just a contracted rider, race by race, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what's he going to do? He can't say I'm not going to race, otherwise he's not going to get paid. Yeah. So you know, he was in that situation, and the team manager asked him to ride. So you know, it's. Uh, you know, he took some banter and some, you know, some uh, I don't know what's the word, some not insults, but he took yeah. a bit of flack from the other guys. Yeah. But, it, but he went out there. What'd you make of the dust situation? Was it as bad as it what you know to cause a boycott? Of the what do you mean the the the, the qualifiers on the, Saturday? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean. Uh, this is the thing with Mexico. It was that it was, you know, it had a great setup like I've ridden before. You know, it was right on the main road going into town. It was right within reach of this big city, Guadalajara. I uh-huh. mean, it was it was like a, the closest a motocross would get to being a supercross in terms of its, you know, location. But that track was just had a, a, such a fine powdery texture. It was and the, and the wind that kind of blew across that hillside all weekend. Mm-hmm. You had a situation like where when a rider doesn't like a track, he'll come in and say, "Oh, the track shit, I hate it," you know. And and, and the mechanical go, "Okay," and the team manager go, "Okay." Um, but this was a situation where the rider was coming in and saying, "Oh, the track shit, I don't like it," and then the team manager going was saying, "Yeah, I mean the paddock, look, you know, with everything, the dust is blowing through here. We're covered. The mechanics were pissed off because they couldn't wash the bike. <laughs> yeah. There was a couple of like you know infrastructure problems, and it built up." You know, all these little things kind of built up into a big sort of surge of, right. you know, feeling about it. And the riders, at the end of the day, just felt that they weren't safe. Mm-hmm. And I, I said to Michael when he came out the track after the qualifier, I said, look, Michael, was the track dangerous or not? And he said, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, okay. they, they felt like that. But then, you know, they decided to put enough water down that it looked like it had, you know, a monsoon <laughs> and, like, washed yeah. through there on Sunday. Yeah. Sebastian said, oh, you guys want yeah. water? All right, I'll give you water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think, you know, I even heard sort of from, from Eugene that, you know, even that stadium, whoa, 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 you know, stop, stop, because, you know, otherwise the place is going to slide down the hill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels uh, it feels like we've had a lot of wet GPs, but it was like sort of 34 degrees there. <laughs> so, um, you know, just because of, of the mud. Do you, do you like the Ustream's approach? I mean, you guys are going to Thailand or somewhere next year, Mexico. Um, do, do you agree with that? Do you like it? Yeah, I mean it's a world championship. Right. It's, um, you know, from that perspective, you, you've got to make it world. And like, the, the fact is, that you can't get the 
the, the events in Europe now. You know, I think there's a rumor going around that the GPs is going to step up to 18, 18 events, uh-huh. uh, maybe sort of five or six overseas, uh, maybe going to the Middle East for one. Um, so it's, uh, you know, from, I think it, ha- it has to have a, a bigger scope. And if it does have a bigger scope, there's no way that's a bad thing. Right. I think it misses a, a Northern European race, uh-huh. uh, not, sorry, a Northern American race. Um, that's a pretty big hole there. Yeah. And also maybe something in Australasia, but it's, it's trying to cover more continents, more markets. And, you know, I think you, you've got to say that's, that's great. I mean, the right. next step is making sure that the teams and the stars can get to those races because obviously it's a, a step up in budget for everybody. But, yeah. you know, the, the way they're, they're approaching it, it's, it's just good, you know. I think it's, um, you know, full, fair play to them for reaching out and trying to find new people that are prepared to put on a GP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real shame that Glenn Helen didn't work out. Not the fact that it didn't come back yeah. maybe wasn't a surprise to either one of us. But uh, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know if it would work. That I didn't think it would bomb as bad as it did. You know what I mean? I wasn't so sure that it was going to be a rousing yeah. success. But the lack of fans and, <coughs> and, and all that really surprised me. Um, I guess that's just the American attitude. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I you know I really just think it's from my opinion it's it's down to the schedule. I mean, you just cannot have, you know, there's this, you guys race for so long and do so much just, just to chuck another one in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's a monster like and, and Feld and those guys have got a million-dollar prize fund just to, you know, shoehorn another another race into the yeah, calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, and also I enjoyed kind of reading, I think there's a story in mean, Davey Row in, in one of the last issues of Race of X where they, they focused on rocks and, and you had guys like Emig and Carmichael saying, you know, he's never going to have ridden at this intensity before. And I kind of think, well, okay, you know, you've got a series that's very busy, very packed, and the fans get to see a lot of racing, but then you've got guys who are talking about retiring at the age of 23, you know, they're talking about two or three more years and I'm done. Yeah. Whereas, like, in Europe, you get, like, a, you get a break, you get a pre-season, you get a, yeah. you know, a full season, and then you do, do the cycle again. It's, it's, it's like more longevity of a career, you know? Yeah. Yeah, good point. You're right. Um, it, it is go, go, go here, no doubt. Um, pretty pretty hectic. Safe to say, uh, you've been covering the GPs a long time. Safe to say, on and off track, this one is uh, shape, shaping up to be be a memorable one? Yeah, I think so. Certainly in MX1, because you've had like the Everts era, era, which was pretty you know dominant. I mean, the guy, no one could touch him. Uh, Tony came in and had like maybe one or two, three people they were fighting for the title, but I think he's still got four guys, possibly five that could you know make a real shot for this one. So mm-hmm. it's it's, yeah. it's all to play for, and I just pray that we don't get any injuries because you guys would be pretty sort of struggling over there with that. Yeah, yeah, and tell me all about it, no doubt. Um, <laughs> well, hey Adam, uh, thank you for doing the BTOSports.com Racer X podcast show. Uh, almost a mid-season GP. Uh, look, I guess we'd call it um, seven rounds in, nine to go. So we're cl- close enough, I guess. But yeah, thanks uh, taking the time from Spain to yeah. uh, to let us uh, thanks, call in on what's going on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. And will we see you at the Monster Cup? Is that the plan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on that's on the calendar. So I hope I'll be over here for that. And I hope to bring some uh, Europeans with me. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, Porcel. We can probably get over. Maybe Paulan. I mean, it'd be good for you guys to see him. Yeah. Um, and maybe even, you know, now the Red Bull KTM is really building up to the level, we can try and get Kyrori across. That'd be pretty sweet for sure. Well, I guess I'll see those nations too. Looking forward to that. Yeah. I hope they, uh, cool. they install some better bleachers so to, to be able to watch the race a little better. But, hey. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> all right, Adam. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. Okay. Cheers, Steve. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.